Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hey Phoebe. Hey Jules, happy Freedom Day. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot it's Freedom Day. You want to hear something wild? There is a person, I don't know if um, it's a man or a woman or what, standing at like the end of our road as you go into Crouch End, wearing a full like Victorian plague suit, you know, like, (laughs) and they're holding a sign that says, happy Freedom Day. See you all next lockdown. Yeah, good. See you all next lockdown. Absolutely. Totally. So obviously, I've said a couple of times on the podcast that I hate wearing the masks. And as you said, you like wearing them and I will do it, but I don't enjoy it. But holy hell for anyone listening who isn't familiar with what's going on in the UK at the moment. Basically, July 19th is our quote unquote freedom day where you no longer have to wear masks anymore. Basically, everything is open. This is us returning to like 2019 back when things were normal. I will not be not wearing a mask, regardless of how much I do not enjoy them. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't say I enjoy wearing a mask. I don't enjoy wearing a mask, but I do feel it's very practical, especially in a global pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so I've just found it so strange. I just don't get why everyone is hung up on the whole mask thing, especially because it's been 18 months now like it's been so long it's I don't get why people haven't adjusted to it and with the delta variant which is way more contagious than the other Mm -hmm. variant we've had I know a lot more people that have been catching COVID it's not life-threatening now um, but I don't know anyone that's passed away from it recently so I know younger people that have have caught COVID and so why wouldn't you wear a mask so true It's such a good point. I think, I don't know if I was saying this on the podcast, in fact, but I met a friend for lunch a couple of weeks ago and we went into Covent Garden. It was kind of my first time being back in the city properly in, you know, like over a year. But on my way in, obviously, got the Piccadilly line, got on the Piccadilly line, almost on autopilot, sat down, started reading my book, whatever. And another woman got on with me and kind of turned around to the carriage. And she said, why is nobody wearing a mask? And People weren't wearing masks on the train? No one was wearing a mask on the train. The whole carriage was full of maskless people. And so this is where I was like, Oh my God. So you weren't up. wearing a mask. No, no, I was wearing a mask. So it was just me and this other woman who were. And so they all then started basically mocking this woman who had asked and mm. calling her so embarrassing. Like I could never do it. I could never be this woman because they were all calling her a sheep, you know, all of this stuff that exactly as you'd expect, basically calling her a sheep, making fun of her. I later found out that there was an anti-lockdown protest in London that day which is obviously what all of these people had been heading to. But it's so funny to me because I was saying to my husband afterwards, it's like, you can be frustrated with the lockdowns. Absolutely. Like there have been points over the past year or so where I would have attended an anti-lockdown protest almost, you know, I was that exasperated. But if you conflate anti-lockdown and anti-mask, the problem is like by you not wearing a mask, you are causing lockdowns essentially and that's the irony of it Mm -hmm. you know I'm double vaxxed my husband is double vaxxed now 
you know, and if I'm in a crowded place, if I'm in a busy place like this weekend, I was you know, at Selfridges, et cetera, like I'm going to wear a mask, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I'm just not on the same wavelength. And it was so funny. I was listening to another podcast for those of you that listen to the all in podcast and they were saying how, you know, none of us, it's all a bunch of guys in like private equity, VC, really successful. And they were saying how, you know, none of us or the people we hang out with fly commercial, you know, we're not, we're not hanging out with the, the riffraff. Mm-hmm. And we had a gathering and a bunch of people that, that attended tested positive for COVID because the Delta variant is very, um, it's a lot more contagious than other, other variants. So like wear a mask. Totally. You know, and it's like, so you are literally on public transport on the train in London, which is like one of the dirtiest places that you could ever be. And you're proud to not wear a mask. Yeah, that's great. Good for you. I know it was so jarring it was so jarring and what was funny was then after they had finished mocking this woman who had you know dared to be like why are you not wearing a mask they kept trying to catch my eye because obviously they wanted to kind of continue the dialogue and they were hoping that I would maybe say something as the only other mask wearing person in the carriage and I'm thinking this is where I'm a chicken because I'm thinking I'm not going to defend my mask wearing rationale nor am I going to try and convince you to wear a mask I literally just want to get off two stops from here and continue with my day yeah (laughs) we don't need to interact with one another it's fine but it's one of those things where there's literally no point in you trying to convince someone to wear a mask if it doesn't click with them that they're on the underground which is incredibly filthy in general outside of a global pandemic and they feel like within that pandemic they don't need to wear a mask you can't convince that person no and it's futile to kind of almost waste your energy trying because there are some things where it's like actually I am not interested in a conversation with a devil's advocate at this particular point in time (laughs) I have no interest like not in a rude way I don't want to be friends with people that don't wear masks Mm -hmm. I don't want to be friends with people that don't want to get a vaccine I think that we're incredibly privileged because our vaccine rollout has been decent. And, you know, I know people abroad who just can't get vaccines in their country for whatever reason. And so I'm not interested. Although I will say I have no interest. I don't. I And obviously it's not our intention to spend the whole podcast today talking about you know vaccines and Freedom Day and everything like that, because I'm sure a lot of people are reaching kind of saturation point with this. I do find it very strange that the UK has brought in this arbitrary eight week, eight to 12 week period between your first and second vaccine, considering that most of Europe is adhering to, specifically with Pfizer, adhering to the three to four week rule. And Mm -hmm. Pfizer themselves have said that is the, the optimum time to get your first and second vaccines. Yeah, but I think they just wanted to spread it around. So I think they wanted more people to have the chance to get their first dose in yeah but in terms of like the UK I think if you want to get vaxxed like there are ways that you can go and get vaxxed earlier because my husband got vaxxed before that eight week period for his second dose do you know what so did I but I called my GP and I asked for a priority I asked to have like an expedited appointment and it just seems strange to me that you know when I was then getting my vaccination I was up at one of the volunteer sites and there were Mm. people 
in front of me who were just saying, I just want it. I just want to have it done, blah, blah, blah. And they were turning people away. And I just find that such a counterproductive measure to be like, oh, you want to get vaccinated. We're calling this Freedom Day and literally encouraging people to not wear masks anymore. But we're mm-hmm. going to turn people away for from vaccination centers. Obviously, I don't know. I don't claim to know the inner workings of anyone in this Tory government's mind but that just to me seems like a a futile practice to be honest and quite frustrating yeah I think that's definitely frustrating because for my husband to get the second jab he had to go to a few places right before he eventually got the second jab outside of the official time frame Mm -hmm. but it's still nothing compared to what other people are going through to get a vaccine or if they cannot get a vaccine at all like it's like oh it's a bit inconvenient but you can get your mm-hmm. your vaccines sorted but then obviously now you've got the um the health minister Sabri Javid who has tested positive for covid and like Boris and, and Rishi Sunak were like oh we're not going to isolate even though they've been pinged by the NHS app because they were in close proximity with him that like, oh we're not going to self isolate and then it's hilarious on like French TV like they're doing like um it's news right it's news but they're kind of like mocking the UK and yeah. they're like Boris just does not know what he's doing as usual it's so tough because I mean I think it's ludicrous let me just be clear on that particular front and then when I was talking to somebody about it they were like not that I agree with Boris and Rishi choosing to basically not isolate but for the faction of their supporters who are like woohoo freedom day they can't undermine themselves by being like yes it's freedom day but we're continuing to isolate or like we're going to isolate so it's almost like a version of a dog whistle to that faction of their supporters who are like oh yeah we've always thought this whole covid thing was overhyped anyway but it's just i don't know it's they've had to isolate now Oh, have they had to? Yeah, the last they, time I read that they, was, that they had opted to do the, the daily testing option instead. Yeah. So they were saying, oh, we're not going to, we don't need to. But then I think now they've agreed to. Yeah, obviously it's all a bit confusing. But I think, um, you know, for me, I'm just going to continue as I have been doing, which is wearing my mask when I'm in public and on in crowded places. Um, I haven't been taking the train, but I would definitely... I'm considering going back to the office I would definitely be wearing a mask on the train and yeah and I anticipate that we will have another lockdown by October 100% I think it's how could we not yeah how could we not how could we not in 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 normal times I was saying to someone we were going to have another lockdown they were like really you think so I'm like the NHS can't cope in a regular winter Mm -hmm. so if we take winter and also in West London this last week, we had flooding. We had serious issues here in West London. It's been overshadowed because there were crazy floods in Germany and in Belgium and like people passed away. And I don't think anyone passed away here, but like we had crazy floods that were happening. So yeah. put all of that into context, like NHS can't cope in general in winter times. And then we're still going to have, you know, everything going on with COVID and we might have another variant or two. And then everybody's out and about, right? So it it just is what it is. And you've got employers being like, but we'll be back to the office by September. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think with us, we have a lot of flexibility. Like you don't don't really have to go in. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know what's happening with um, 
with with other companies so yeah so freedom day what a joke watch this space we'll keep you all posted on what we think about it um i think one of the things i really wanted to talk about and we did try and talk about it a bit last episode but i know you weren't watching the euros no you know but what happened with the england squad you know at the euros i felt was so predictable like when i was watching the final and then it got to the point where i saw the penalty lineup and then Rashford missed, and then Sancho missed, and then Saka missed, I was like, it is going to get so real. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. And I think a lot of people online have been saying that, you know, if you're you're Black in this country, or if you just know what this country is about, you knew that there was going to be all of this racism. But it was instant, right? Because the game finished quite late. Let's say it finished around 10.30, I was thinking, oh, the next day it's going to be crazy. But it was literally instant. That night, yeah. It was as soon, It was like instant. It was like instant vitriol, racism on social media. But I've also just found it interesting how like it's been dealt with in the media. Well, so I obviously, I'm like not particularly interested in sports. But I also sometimes don't like watching like high pressured matches like that. Because I know regardless of the outcome, like particularly if I don't have a vested interest in one team or the the other, right? I know I'm going to be sad afterwards. And so my husband was watching it and he kept saying, yeah, watch it with me, watch it with me. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And so the only thing I saw was Saka's penalty at the, the end. And when he started crying, I was like, oh, I'm absolutely miserable. I I genuinely feel so sad. We went to bed and I was lying in bed and I was just like, I just can't stop thinking about how sad I am for that 19-year-old boy. And it's like, I've got no interest in, I couldn't tell you the lineup of the team. I know nothing about football. Like I know very little about sports, but it's so weird that people who would call themselves England supporters could switch on the people that they are supporting so quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's not weird. That's England. The fact that from the... Obviously, you haven't watched the tournament. I don't know if you caught the news on it. But, like, the England squad were one of the few squads that were kneeling in the tournament. And at the beginning of the tournament, England fans were booing them for taking a knee at the tournament. And then Priti Patel came out calling it gesture politics. So it's always been there's always been hate from fans specifically in terms of this topic, like them taking an anti-racist stand led their own fans to boo them before the game kicked off. I thought that was interesting because I know that Southgate came out and was like, no, we're going to continue to do it. We think it's important and so on. But what it made me think of was, you know, when everyone flipped immediately, as you said, and suddenly turned on the, on the team again, Turned I thought, on the those those three black players specifically. Sorry, yes, those three black players specifically. Because I was thinking about when we spoke about Naomi Osaka a few weeks ago and that recording of Venus Williams when she was asked about Osaka and she was saying, Oh, what do you do when you face kind of criticism like that? And that Venus Williams had said, Well, I know that anyone criticizing me or any of you basically in the audience now couldn't go out on the court and do what I do. So I don't let it bother me basically. And that's, I guess the, the other difficulty that I have with sports and sports fans. It's like, 
you as a voyeur as a as a consumer of somebody else's athletic talent think that you have ownership of these people and it's as you said specifically in the instance or most most poisonously in the instance of black athletes there's a your acceptance I guess as a a British citizen or a valuable member of the England team is literally reliant on your ability to win and if that is in jeopardy then I'm free to post monkey emojis on your social media or call you the n-word and Mm -hmm. face little to no repercussion for it yeah and what was interesting about all of this is that you know people were saying it's not just the England football team it's black British people in general or the or minorities in general where when you are winning oh yeah you're English or you're they're proud they embrace you and then when you aren't winning that's called into question like you're otherized with immediate effect and then what was kind of crazy as well is that people keep saying small minority, small minority, small minority. How is this a small minority? If you could hear the booth from the crowd, if it was a small minority, you wouldn't be able to hear the booth from the crowd? Totally. And that's the challenge that I have, is that even when we have the discussion, it's not from a, it's from a disingenuous place because it's like, oh, it's a small minority. And then it's like, oh, these lads don't deserve this racism they've written like Marcus Rashford has raised millions for for hungry children in England and Sancho has opened football pitches in his community and Saka's a role model and that's where the challenge is because people who probably have the best intentions don't realize that you're being complicit in that narrative where these boys have to be exceptional to not experience racism I'm really glad you said that because that was one of the things that I kept thinking as well when, you know, when these kind of counter posts were going up on social media where it's like, oh, well, never forget that Rashford did this or blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, yeah, but that's not, that's not the transaction that needs to take place. Like you ought to be free of experiencing racism, whether you are feeding school children or not. Yeah, And it's this really, I find, like, weak mentality where it's like, oh, no, don't worry. We don't mind the good immigrants or we don't mind the the good minorities, you know, whatever the case might be. And that other people aren't, you know, I saw that there were text messages linked and and tweets from various Tory MPs or conservative kind of pundits being like, well, here's a reminder, boys, stay out of politics next time, just stick to the sports. and not only a is that a super reductive basic argument to make but also in the context of Tory MPs saying this kind of stuff well perhaps if you had been doing your job someone like Marcus Rashford wouldn't have had to get involved in the first place if if you were committed to feeding school children and your narrative is oh well the reason he missed that penalty is because he was busy mixing in politics well then indirectly surely what you're claiming is you're the reason England lost because you didn't do your job. So a 23-year-old footballer who plays for the England team had to do it instead and then he missed a penalty. So you're going to, what, lambast him for getting involved. Yeah. I missed that, so I didn't even see that. But it's basically the whole, like, you know, when people have a go at NBA players for 
you know, exercising their rights as citizens to talk about polit political issues or take a stand on political issues. And then, you know, this lady was saying to LeBron that he should just shut up and dribble. And so it's the same thing here where they're kind of like, oh, yeah, they shouldn't be getting involved in um, politics. Anyway, personally, for me, I think anyone has the right to use their platform, you know, in this manner. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, and it was interesting because when Rashford's statement, when he posted his statement on Instagram, which I thought was very powerful, at the end he wrote, I'm Marcus Rashford, 23-year-old black man from Withington and Withenshaw, South Manchester. If I had nothing else, I have that. For all the kind messages, thank you. I'll be back stronger. We'll be back stronger. And I follow Manchester United on LinkedIn. I'm not sure why. And Manchester United took from the statement but rather than saying that I'm a black man from Withington and Withenshaw, they just said, I'm a man from. Oh, wow, really? And they took out the black part, yeah. I mean, firstly, it's so strange. And I'm like, you know what, Marcus Rashford, yeah, it's very, very strange, but Marcus Rashford is very specific about what he's standing for. And he's like, I'm black, I'm proud. I'm proud to represent my country. I'm proud of who I am. And no matter how racist you are, you're not going to take that away from me. He's been very consistent about that. And it's interesting that his club, they want to support him, but they're not saying it with their chest because they had to take out the black part. Yeah, true. And that's the problem, isn't it? It's kind of like if you as an organisation who have these black men or these black people, like more generically speaking, working for you, are still predisposed to pander to you know, the comment that might end up on that LinkedIn post yeah. saying, oh, don't know why there was any need to say that he's black. Um, it's yeah, like, because well, if he wasn't black, he wouldn't be experiencing the racism he's experiencing. Absolutely. It's like, well, uh, can you tell me what emojis would be posted under, I don't know, Jack Grealish's Instagram if he had missed one of the penalties instead? Yeah. But Grealish also upset me because then he came out because people were saying, oh, my gosh, Saka should not have taken that penalty. Why put that much pressure on, on, on a young man, on a 19-year-old, which I agree with. And then, um, you know, with penalties, you can't force the players to take them. They need to volunteer. Oh, and I OK, sorry. Go on. I, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought that you had to be asked by the... You you were asked by the manager, right? Yeah, and so then you, so he will know Jules wants to take a penalty, Phoebe wants to take a penalty, and then he will pick who he wants to take the penalty. Got you. Right? So they'll say, there'll be a bunch of lads that will say, oh, we're up for it. But then the manager will make the final decision, which is what happened. And when all of this happened and there was this sort of pushback, Grealish's statement was, oh, I don't want to be told that I didn't want to take the penalty I volunteered to take the penalty, but obviously it's the manager's final decision. And right. I was like, is that all you have to say? <laughs> it's been 24 hours and it's like, all you have to say is to come out and say that you want to take the penalty rather than like really stand up and defend members of your team. And yeah. it's a proper workplace where you go through this stuff and people are silent and they just look on and maybe one person, if you're lucky, will stand up. Yeah. That's true. That's a really good point. Harry Is Kane he... made a statement because I was watching these guys in Instagram and I was like, have any of them actually made an explicit statement about this? And then Harry Kane made a statement and said that, you know, if you're racist, we don't want you as, as a fan of the England squad. <sighs> I don't Which know. I, I'm like, you're not going to have any fans left. But <laughs> 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 At least you were explicit and you took a stand. And I think that's very honourable. 
And I think he showed a lot of leadership in that moment to do that. Yeah, 100%. I think there's also this, um, you know, and you mentioned it specifically about people being uncomfortable to basically address the elephant in the room and people being like, I think it extends to, oh, you know, it's a minority, it's a minority, it's a minority. Right, but even even before the racist comments happened, right, and after the booing happened for the team taking the knee, the day of the match in London, England fans were destroying the place. Piccadilly Circus was destroyed Wembley was destroyed like with fans bottling businesses like trashing the street I'm just like I again don't know enough about it to claim that's specific to England fans but also it's such scummy behavior can you imagine if it was like I don't know that that's what Wimbledon viewers did but like the people showing up to watch Wimbledon finals were like bottling businesses in the area like it's just so bizarre to me how there's a certain amount of like there's no other word for it but like thuggery goes hand in hand with football specifically in this country and it's like completely permissible for that to be the case yeah and then I was hearing that because of all the violence after the after the game, England can't host. They're out of they're out of the running to like host another like massive tournament. They were like the violence was too much. Jeez. One other thing. Again, you know I love to shoehorn the Royals in. One other thing that I was reading. I don't know the basically I don't know the the full minutia of this um, and whether or not it's entirely accurate. But the Prince William, obviously, as head of the Football Association in the UK, left immediately after the match. So didn't go to speak to the Italian players, didn't congratulate any of the Italian dignitaries that basically were, were in town to watch the match. And that people were like, hmm, this is a, a bad look for the, the future, future head of state. Because then there were so many people in the stands, like so many Italian fans supporting Meghan Markle that Meghan Markle began trending after the, the final on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Her saying what? Basically, it was like Italian fans being like, we did this for you, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) And there was like a picture circulating of some Italian fans in the stands with an Italian flag, excuse me. And in the white panel of the flag, they had written, Megan is one of us. (laughs) (laughs) No, but honestly, like it was such a crazy week and, and England showed no decorum. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not. I'm surprised, but not surprised. Like, how could you not go and then congratulate the the Italian team for winning? Well, that's it as well. Like, I think that if that story is true, and by the way, it was likely the Italian team were going to win. This is what also shocked me. It was incredibly likely the Italian team were going to win. They were unbeaten thirty plus matches by the time they got to the finals. They have played consistently throughout the tournament, like definitely one of the top teams and clearly the best team because they've won overall England is not a country that wins major tournaments let alone gets to the final and so that's what really kind of like shocked me because I said these boys have gone the farthest in over 50 years literally over half a century 
Who are you? What is going on? How can you attack them in this way when they've gone the farthest than any of us ever imagined? Like I thought they would have been kicked out by the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And so it was crazy because France, and I'm not fully into the French social media, but like I'm exposed to it a bit because my husband is French. France is a team that are used to winning. Right. And what happened with them being knocked out by Switzerland, like it was completely unexpected. And then obviously it was down to penalties as well. And like, you know, Mbappe didn't do a great job. But they didn't they didn't attack Mbappe in this way. Oh, didn't they? Because no. I know that there has been issues in the past with I mean, again, God, what a, a half a story here. I'm hoping you'll know what I'm talking about because my sports knowledge is so abysmal. But um potentially it was even last year, but that some of the French players were, again, kind of an extension of what you said at the beginning of the the podcast, that when they score, they're French, but when they don't, they're African. Oh, absolutely. You have that. That is a a global thing. That happens everywhere. And so you have that issue in France, for sure. But with Mbappe, it was like, it was kind of 50-50 on social media. Like, I personally felt that Mbappe had a poor attitude. Right. But then, you know most people that I was I was seeing online were kind of saying you win some you lose some was kind of like the summary of it uh, which is a newspaper in France tried to kind of like kind of um, stir things up a bit because there was a bit of a back and forth between some of the parents but it was a blip like it was nothing compared to like the vitriol that was happening mm-hmm. on social media over the final maybe because it was a final but if I look at it from the France perspective I'm like that's the team that went in one of the favorites expecting to win mm-hmm and so if they would like lash out, I would kind of understand that to a certain extent. Everyone in England should be on their knees thanking God. Like these boys should be knighted just because they got to a final, in my opinion, because it's an anomaly. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And also England does not get through penalty shootouts. I just, I don't know. So like... what is this? Why are they, you know, why are you acting like you've never experienced this before? <laughs> I just think as well, it's like, you know, who was it? One of the the Danish players got asked. Oh, my God. When he was asked, oh, yeah, uh, like, how would you feel if you prevent football from coming home? And he, he said, it's never been home. It's so embarrassing. I'm sorry. Like, Did he lie? <laughs> Did he lie? No. And the, fact that, and the fact that then, the, I mean, it was shoddy journalism. Do you know what I mean? What a chronic question. You obviously think you're going to get some kind of clickbaity response. But the fact that the journalist was then being like, oh, well, you know, 55 years ago, I think. And then this guy, the player had to be like, well, that was the World Cup. Like the Euros have literally never come home for England. So I was just, that's the shock because it's like, why are you acting so devastated and so crazy when this is the normal state of affairs if anything they did so much better mm-hmm. than any other team like people are it, at the beginning of the tournament tournament people kind of like complaining about gareth southgate then england started to progress and it was like oh my god he's great he's making amazing decisions and then obviously final didn't go the way that people wanted and then it was like let's trash gareth southgate again not the best decisions as far as the penalty takers but like I feel he showed a lot of courage and a lot of leadership and brought a lot of people together. And what people need to realise, it's not about winning. I think that Gareth Southgate's leadership helped bring this country together, sticking up for the squad for kneeling. Harry Kane was wearing like a rainbow 
captain banner for one one game to stand with the LGBTQ plus community. And Gareth Southgate has been like a strong supporter of all of this. And so if you just look at it statistically, he's led like the most successful England team in, in, in over 50 years. Mm-hmm. But then because it didn't go their way, they want to trash him. And I'm like, what are you people talking about? It's wild, isn't it? Because I think that it, what it demonstrates is that progressive leadership in a particular, you know, Luckily kind of... he's white, so they couldn't take away his nationality from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go so far as to question his nationality, but, like, they have trashed him otherwise. Well, I saw, uh, you know, just when you're saying about the kind of, I guess, micro gestures almost in terms of the kneeling and the, the rainbow armband, I saw a really lovely tweet that one person had sent basically saying this is a really small and personal point but today was my first game at Wembley in full makeup and overtly queer as opposed to just camp there were absolutely no issues from fans and some lovely chats despite being absolutely petrified pre-game I'm really proud of our fans and then Jordan Henderson who again I'm like I assume one of the players but basically tweeted back and said, hi, Joe, great to hear you enjoyed the game, as you should. No one should be afraid to go and support their club or country because football is for everyone, no matter what. Thanks for all your support and enjoy the rest of the Euros. And I just thought, I wonder, is that part of the problem that these quote unquote minorities of fans have because they assume that football is something for them? They assume that football is essentially for white males and the idea that the team itself would be explicitly stating and actually football's for everyone it doesn't matter if you are overtly queer or if you're non-binary or if you're not white like we appreciate your support just as much as we do from white male supporters and that some people are just simply not equipped to handle that information or to see that information as anything but a slight Yeah, it's very, very odd because even, you know, they were saying that seven out of the 11 of the starting team for England have parents or grandparents that are from overseas. Really? Okay. So without immigration, like if it was up to Pretty Patel, you wouldn't have the squad that you have. I mean, if it was up to Pretty Patel, Pretty Patel wouldn't be here, right? Like, Yeah, but seven out of 11 is incredibly high. Hmm. Like seven out of 11 is is incredibly high. And so it should be the pride of this country that we have a team that's as diverse as it is. It should really be something that we that we boast about. I think there is like for a lot of people, there's a component of immigration is synonymous with like indentured servitude. And that you are supposed to just be forever grateful. I don't know. Again, maybe other people listening will be like, okay, well, you could not earmark yourself any more clearly as someone who is not interested in sports. But I felt uncomfortable even with all of the outpouring from the team themselves, like apologizing to fans. And I was thinking like, this doesn't seem right. Like you got, as you said, the furthest that they've gotten in over half a century they've done incredibly well they've performed by all accounts like amazingly and in any other sport this would be a silver medal right but my understanding is that 
that just doesn't really happen in, in football. It's like the idea of you apologizing to people who couldn't go out and do what you did is kind of insane. And obviously you could extend that argument and be like, yeah, well, they get paid obscene amounts of money. And and yes, I know I'm not saying that the kind of wealth inequality is something that that I commend. But it just seems so strange that this servitude almost is expected. It's like, oh, uh, now this 19-year-old has to take a couple of weeks break from social media to spend time with his family to basically readjust because the citizens of this country are destroying him and he now has to apologize to them for literally missing a penalty. It's so inconsequential. Well, it's very consequential because it was the finals of the Euros, right? So it's incredibly consequential and I don't have an issue with Rashford coming out being like, you know, I'm really upset that I missed that penalty. And yeah, he apologised as well um, Mm. because they know that it means so much to the country and I feel like that's what pushed Italy forward. Like Italy has gone through so much with the pandemic. Like it was their country and their pride pushing them forward like the way Italy sang that national anthem they didn't just do it as, for themselves as individual players they definitely did it for their country and so that I don't really have an issue with I don't think you must come out and apologize it's not like oh you need to go and bow down and apologize to every England fan but I think that that team has a level of decorum that this country just doesn't deserve you know that is what you what you do like when you've got class there's nothing wrong with taking ownership and like taking responsibility and just saying like, you know, I, I wish it ended up differently. I don't think that's a sign of of weakness. I have no kind of problem. I have no problem with it. Definitely there's a problem if the, if the fans feel entitled to that. See, that's, I guess, maybe, maybe the crux of it. It, it felt to me like it was something that was being done because it was expected that fans felt entitled to an apology. And once they had gotten their pound of flesh, once yeah. they knew that, like, these three young men were in a hoop, basically. It's like, well, now they've learned their lesson. They won't miss their next penalty. As yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, mm, again. Honestly, it's uncomfortable. I think the whole backdrop of it, drop of it was so uncomfortable. But, and unfortunately, you know, people never learn from things like this. So I don't think it was really a teachable moment. I think people just fall back into their same behaviour. But given the context of the world that we're in now, where the British government published a report saying that institutional racism does not exist in this country. I'm out of here, honestly. It is, it's here. It's in your face. Yeah, 100%. It's in your face. It absolutely does. Like for everything we say about the US, like, yes, it's a, you know, they have so many issues in that country. Um, but when you were talking about kind of Venus and Naomi Osaka and like tennis, it's very, very rare for like America to kind of like turn on their national team mm-hmm. at that national level, right? True. It's like, it's a tough situation that we're in in this country. And I hope that people can use this as a moment to A, face what is going on, have an honest conversation about it that doesn't sort of say, the small minority, the small minorities, like, let's just talk about this like openly and let's hopefully in the next 50 years... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at the next Euro final, hopefully there's a different outcome. I think as well, it's just it's staggering to me because I don't know if you saw the stuff about the guy from Savills. 
Yeah. So basically, again, for anyone listening who who doesn't know the context of this, one of the, I think he was the commercial property manager from Savills, tweeted in the aftermath of the final, N-words lost it for us. Was that the... Yeah, yeah. And so obviously, as is kind of correct and, you know, proper, basically, as far as I'm concerned... Someone looked at his Twitter, typed his name into LinkedIn, found out that he was a commercial property manager for Savills and got in touch with Savills and said, you know, does this man represent your organization's thoughts on this issue? Or like, are you prepared to condone your employees' thoughts? And I believe he lost his job. Uh, Last I saw with the Savills statement, they said they're investigating it. Like... Okay, but he tried it. He was like, "Oh, I got hacked," and then everyone said, "No, you didn't." And then he came out and said, "Okay, I didn't get hacked, but I I was drunk when I sent those tweets." And then he came out and said, "Oh, members of my family have benefited from Marcus Rashford pushing for free school meals, and like, I hope he forgives me." And it's like, oh my God, that's what someone says when they're unable to be like. I have black family members. It's like, yeah, exactly. what can I say? Which is like an equivalent. Oh, um, Marcus Rashford fed my family. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm so sorry you didn't have a black friend that you could use as your get out of jail free card instead. <laughs> so, and, and and guys, you know, this is the country. This is it. Um, and it was it was just crazy because to see the UK trending on this topic, like to see American outlets talking about what's happening in the UK with the England squad. It was absolutely wild. And personally, for me, it was incredibly traumatizing. It was very, 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 very traumatizing for me to see how those boys were treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very traumatizing because all of us can relate to it to a certain extent. And we had that with the final, but throughout the whole tournament with just Raheem Sterling, every game praying that he scores so they leave him alone. Right. Like, the tournament was traumatizing. And um, somebody put on LinkedIn saying that they overheard a couple of black boys walking on their way to school. And one of them said if it was Raheem that took a penalty and he didn't score, they wouldn't have left their house. Wow. Because there is so much bad treatment of Raheem Sterling. I just don't understand it. Props to the the commentators that were out there kind of just talking about the good work that, that Raheem was doing. But it, you just it's, it's interesting with football because they want to keep politics out of it, but it's really just like incredibly political and you just see how people behave but that's it as well isn't it and we've touched on this and on numerous occasions that it's like keeping politics out of anything is just a thing that people in positions of privilege say and there's an instagram that we talk about a lot called no small talk which is just so good and i always recommend that people check it out and follow it but they say everything is political like love island is political you can't pretend that these things exist in a vacuum where they're just unimpacted basically so I don't know maybe a slightly heavier than usual podcast no today. I think this is pretty normal I think this was like regular for us <laughs> uh, but before we go I also wanted to shout out Rio Ferdinand because he did such a great job commenting over the over the tournament and really liked how he stuck up for Raheem Sterling as well and yeah it was a crazy week Oh my God, crazy we have to weekend. go. My phone is pinging, we have to go. But then also I wanted to talk about <laughs> Britney Spears has gone rogue on Instagram now. 
dragging every single person, including her family members and her sister, who is trash. Her sister was trash, and her sister was in a really terrible TV show that I was binging for a while. And I remember thinking at the time, good for her, because obviously she was in Zoe 101 and that got cancelled because she got pregnant, like teenage pregnancy. But I was like, oh, good for her. And now I'm like, shame on you, Jamie. Shame Lynn. on you, Jamie Lynn. Um, but thanks so much for listening, everyone. <laughs> Share the podcast with a friend, and uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.